Kimberly and Megan and you've entered room 237 the, the bonus. bonus I feel as if for this episode of the bonus we need a little I'm coming out I'm coming out I want the world to know because it's Pride Month. I don't know that we have the ability to play that just because it's probably we licensed. We don't own the rights. Right. So <laughs> we'll just have to sing it. We're just singing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but our bonus episode today is all about Pride. How it's Pride and how it kind of started. Yeah. This will be fun. It'll and be super fun, informative, also kind of sad. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Let's get right on into it. Okay. Okay. So, of course, most people have heard of Pride Parades and mm. celebrations that take place. The majority of them take place in June. But, like, not many people, I don't think, outside of the LGBTQ plus community knows how, like, the history behind them. Mm-hmm. And why we have the parades. I, I agree. I agree. So most pride celebrations take place to commemorate the 1969 Stonewall riots in New York City. Mm-hmm. I actually did know this information. Yeah. Even though I am myself not LGBTQ. Because you're a great ally. I try. I try. (laughs) I did go to my first Pride Parade last year. I got sick and had to go home early. (laughs) (laughs) It was really hot. I have a really in hard, Houston. I have a problem with heat, you know. It is I just no can't. joke. Like you have to be committed. <laughs> I just have a really hard time with heat, which is Ugh. weird because I do live in Houston. It's really hot here, but it's brutal. But it's so much fun. You just wear the least amount of clothing. Around that time, look, everybody wants to see on some people. So, <laughs> Stonewall riots. Let's talk about them. All right, we're going to talk about the lead up to yeah, the Stonewall okay. riots okay. first. And so throughout the 50s and the 60s, the FBI and police departments, they kept tons of lists of known homosexuals. That's so gross. I know. Like, it's not even that long ago. No. And it's just so... It is so gross. A lot of this, I'm like... Ugh. I know. They kept lists of who hom- who the homosexuals were, their frequented establishments, their friends. The USPS even kept records and addresses of, like, where homosexual materials were sent. Is that legal? Because it feels <laughs> vaguely illegal. Like, it really does. So state and local governments, they weren't any better. They were doing that shit, too. Mm. Bars catering to LGBTQ plus people were shut down frequently. Uh, customers were arrested. They were exposed, like, locally in the newspaper. Yeah, they would print, like, and so people would lose their jobs. Yes, it was horrible. Gross. Uh, various cities were performing these sweeps to rid their neighborhoods and cities of gay people. Super rude. It's also so gross. It like, is. This whole, like, I know it's history and we should really, and it, it does, it is nice to know it just so you know where the movement came from right. and all that stuff. But it's just so disturbing. It really you is. Know? Mm. Anyway, wearing clothes of the opposite gender was outlawed and universities, in fact, expelled suspected homosexual staff. I mean, wow. You didn't even have to be actually like a homosexual, just they thought you might be. Yeah. <laughs> so like pretty much the whole liberal arts department. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're all gone. The theater department was like, <laughs> oh, <"Ooh."> cool. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> In 1952, the American Psychiatric Association listed homosexuality in the DSM as a mental disorder. I remember this. Where it remained until 1974. I say I remember. I was not alive. Yes, but we know. Yes. You know of it. Until 1974, I would have been in the DSM. I mean, I'm already in the DSM, but not for homosexuality, but like for other mental issues. Exactly. (laughs) For real ones. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... 
my parents were born in 1950. They were 24 when this was no longer considered a mental disorder. Like, that's crazy to me. So let's talk about activism. All right. Really love activism. So in response to the anti-homosexual trend, two organizations were formed. The first was the Mattachine Society, which was founded in 1950 in L.A., and their goal was to change the perception of gay people and to show that gays were just the same as straights, not any different. We're all people. We're all literally just people. Yeah. There was another organization that was formed, the Daughters of Bilitis, D-O-B for short, and that was uh, a group of lesbians. And it was formed in San Fran. Love San Francisco. San Francisco is like a hub. I know. Like a major hub. <laughs> so good. And it was initially formed as like a safe place for like women to get together and like just fucking exist and dance. I like that. Yeah. But as the organization grew, it became a group similar to the Mattachine Society and it focused on like the assimilation to society. Nice. So gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people staged a small riot at the Cooper Donut Cafe in L.A. in 1959 in response to police harassment. In 1966, uh, a larger event in San Francisco, a larger activist event was held were drag queens, hustlers, trans men and women. They were sitting in Compton's cafeteria and the police arrived. The police arrived to arrest people like appearing to be physically male who may have been dressed like women, whatever. (laughs) A riot ensued with the cafeteria patrons slinging cups, plates and saucers, breaking the plexiglass windows in front of the restaurant and returning several days later to smash the windows again after they were placed. <laughs> <Petty>. <laughs> this marked the beginning of trans activism in San Francisco. Yeah, it did not stop there. Mm-mm. So by the early 1960s, a campaign to rid New York City of gay bars was in full effect by order of Mayor Robert F. Wagner Jr. Sounds Trash. like a jackass. He was concerned about the image of the city in preparation for the 1964 World's Fair. Gotta get those fucking queers out of there before the World Fair. All those people, yeah. The Mattachine Society succeeded in getting the newly elected mayor, John Lindsay, to end the campaign of police, police entrapment in New York City because police were, like, going to known like gay establishments mm-hmm. or gay hangouts and like hitting on guys and being like hey you want to come home and the minute the guy was like okay yeah they, they arrested, arrested them. them yeah and like i was reading like there's cops are like grabbing their dicks and like Gross. come on yeah right like what is that term entrapment yes <laughs> Stupid. I swear to God. So Stonewall, 1966. New York City. New York City, (laughs) 1966. It's a bar. I know that much. Mm -hmm. I've been. Have you? Uh I have not been. I've been to New York a couple times, but I did not get to see Stonewall and those trips. So in 1966... Three mafia members invested $3,500 to turn the Stonewall Inn into a gay bar. The mafia loved to run a gay bar because they made a lot of money mm-hmm. off of it. They were not very friendly to the patrons, but... But they made a lot of money, so that's why they kept doing it. Right. They because... made a lot of money, and they could offer the patrons like support because they would pay off the police. Right. So Once we... a week, police officers would collect their payoff cash envelopes. You know, just to look the other way. Mm-hmm. Shady. Mm-hmm. So there were two dance floors in Stonewall. The interior was painted black. <laughs> it was super dark inside. It had them pulsing mm-hmm. lights. Mm-hmm. 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 
If police were spotted, though, regular white lights are turned on immediately, and that's signaled to everyone that they should stop dancing or touching. It's Which it's wild. wild it's so wild I can just to not me. even imagine being at Crocker right. or Pearl Anywhere, Bar, yeah. like any bar, and like lights come on, like oh shit, just drop hands. Everybody act straight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so because of its even mix of people, its location, and the attraction of dancing, Stonewall Inn was known by many as the gay bar in the city. Mm-hmm. So when you went, did you go in or just drive past? We went in. You went in? Yeah, I had drinks, partied. I, it was, nice. I loved it. Nice. The period immediately before June 28, 1969, was marked by frequent raids of local bars, including a raid at the Stonewall Inn on the Tuesday night before the riots. So this is one of many. Like, Stonewall was, like, the biggest, but there have been riots leading up to this of all the gay establishments. Right. At 1.20 a.m. on Saturday, June 28, 1969, four plainclothes policemen in dark suits, two patrol officers in uniform, and one detective named Charles Smith and a deputy inspector called Seymour Pine. Seymour. Seymour. He sounds like an asshole. He sounds like a dipshit. They arrived at the Stonewall Inn's double doors and announced, Police! We're taking the place. It's a raid. It's a raid, raid. That night, there were about 205 people in the bar, many of them who like had never experienced a police raid, which, mm. of course, leads to fucking hysteria and confusion because they're like, what the hell is right. going on? The ones that, like, knew what was up already they tried to flee like from windows or other exits hide in the bathrooms but police had already barred all the exits trash uh-huh the raid did not go as expected however because usually the patrons were lined up to have their ids checked and trans or what they would call effeminate men were taken to the bathroom by a woman officer to verify what sex they were which is disgusting mm-hmm. like can you imagine like being lined up all right let's I need to the see bathroom your and uh, check your junk. Yeah, that's gross. And so if they were effeminate and had a penis, then they were arrested. Or if they were dressed like a lady but yes. also had a penis, they were arrested. arrested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that night they were all like, not to fucking day. And I love it. everyone pretty much refused to show their IDs or be taken to the restroom. So the police were like, all right, well, we're taking everybody in. Fuck it. Uh, the lesbians that were there that night, they were all like inappropriately frisked by officers. I feel like you almost said fisted. I almost did. <laughs> Probably happened to you. But they were all like felt up by Ugh. the officers. Um, cis men and trans women they and men were kicked, shoved, etc. Women were being felt up. It was just a big disgusting mess. mess. And within minutes, between 100 and 150 people had congregated outside, some after they were released from inside Stonewall, and then some just kind of saw the crowd forming and were like, oh, what's What's going on here? As the police were loading up, they were because they were loading up the mafia members in charge of this like place. The owners, yeah, yeah, the owners, the employees, everyone, the patrons, yeah, everyone. The crowd began shouting "Gay power" and then singing "We Shall Overcome." Pennies, beer bottles, etc., were thrown at the wagon as rumors spread through the crowd that patrons were in the bar and being beaten. Shit really popped off when uh, there was a woman in handcuffs and she was escorted out. But she escaped several times and she was fighting and cussing and shit. The crowd was cheering her on. Well, one of the officers, I guess, had enough and he hit her on the head with a baton. I could think she complained that her handcuffs were too tight and he like hit her on the head. And she looked at the crowd and was like, um, why don't y'all guys do something? Yeah. 
Yeah. Side note, uh, it's believed that the woman was Stormy, Stormy Delivery. I should know how to say this, mm-hmm. but I don't. And she's considered like the Rosa Parks of the gay rights All movement. All right, Stormy. But it's not like verified that it actually was her. Mm-hmm. They don't know. It's speculated. After an officer picked her up and heaved her into the back of the police wagon, the crowd became a mob and they just, they went crazy. They went cray cray. And that's kind of when things started to really explode. Mm-hmm. So then it became an all out brawl between the crowd and the police force. There were cars that were overturned. They were lighting fires and dumpsters. They were throwing shit at the cops. That's like, crazy. Yeah, it was just an all-out chaos. Okay, so a personal account from somebody who was there reads, quote, I just can't ever get that one side out of my mind. The cops with the nightsticks and the kick line on the other side, it was the most amazing thing. And all of a sudden, that kick line, which I guess was a spoof on the machismo, I think that's when I felt rage because people were getting smashed with bats. And for what? A kick line? Yeah, they had started like a little I chorus a kick line, line. Like yeah, taunting like, the cops. Like a rocket yeah. there. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. It took until 4 a.m., for the crowd, for the crowd to be relatively dispersed. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the crowd, there were tons that were hospitalized. Four police officers were injured. Almost everything inside Stonewall was broken. Inspector Pine had intended to close and dismantle the Stonewall in that night, but the payphones were smashed. The toilets, mirrors, jukeboxes, cig- everything was smashed by the police. Crazy. I know. Crazy. News of the riots spread quickly through Greenwich Village, fueled by rumors that it had been organized by the Students for, Demo- for a Democratic Society, the Black Panthers, or it's triggered by a homosexual police officer whose roommate went dancing at the Stonewall against the officer's wishes. <laughs> All these little so rumors. Petty. Like, I know. <laughs> how dare you dance without me? I know. All day Saturday, June 28th, people came to stare at the burned Black and Stonewall Inn. There was graffiti putting on the walls of the bars, declaring drag power and saying shit like they invaded our rights, support gay power, legalize gay bars, along like with accusations of police like looting. And regarding the status of the bar, like it was like, we are still open. Come in. Come in. <laughs> so the next night, rioting again surrounded Christopher Street, which is where mm-hmm. Stonewall is. And participants kind of remember differently which night was worse. Because I think they're both just equally terrible. Mm-hmm. And many of the same people returned from the previous evening. This included hustlers, street use, quote unquote queens. queens. And they were joined by police provocateurs, curious bystanders, and even some tourists who probably just were lost and didn't know they what the like, hell was oh, happening. What is going on here? <laughs> and really, it's uh, many, remarkable to many was the sudden exhibition of homosexual affection in public and it was described by one witness as from going to places where you had to knock on a door and speak to someone through a peephole in order to get in we were just out we were in the streets yeah i think it was just like this boiling point movement or it's like you know what fuck you yeah wasn't um marcia p johnson and the stonewall Mm -hmm. riots yeah that's a really good documentary by the way if you haven't seen it it's excellent thousands of people had gathered at stonewall the next night and it resulted in another power struggle, an ebb and flow between the cops and the queers, the allies. And again, it went on until about 4 a.m. And it garnered, it garnered national attention with front page headlines, which is sure did. pretty tremendous considering the time, the times and, you know, how nobody wanted to talk about. I know that kind of thing. The aftermath of Stonewall and kind of what happened. So there was a feeling of urgency that was 
spread out throughout Greenwich. It was like a bus. Where? Hmm? Where? (laughs) (laughs) What did I say? Greenwich. (laughs) Greenwich. I just love when you pronounce things wrong. Makes me happy in my heart. Makes you happy in your heart. Mm-hmm. So there were people who had e- they didn't even re- witness the riots. They just heard about it and they were fucking pumped up about it. Um, there were people who were moved by the rebellion and they started to attend like organizational meetings. And they're like, this is an opportunity to take action. We have national headlines. Like, let's let's do something with this. Yeah. So it was really kind of like it was clear things were changing mm-hmm. and that people kind of now felt empowered. Yeah. Whereas they had before felt really repressed and oppressed for sure um christopher street liberation day on june 28th 1970 marked the first year anniversary of the stonewall riots with an assembly on christopher street and simultaneous gay pride marches in los angeles and chicago and those were the first gay pride marches in the u.s yeah the very next year they had gay pride marches in boston dallas milwaukee london paris berlin and stockholm west berlin west berlin yes let's, let's be clear not in west the berlin <laughs> and stockholm i'm a little disappointed in houston dallas right. stepped up yeah dallas did houston where were you girl mm-hmm. <laughs> So the march in New York City covered 51 blocks. Wow, that's amazing. Uh From Christopher Street to Central Park, the march took less than half the scheduled time due to excitement. You know, they were like, yeah, Mm, yeah, walking fast. We all know the gays walk super fast. fast. They all pumped up on iced coffee. You know, this is no reason why I'm not gay because, you know, I'm a slow walker. (laughs) I walk so slow. I just couldn't do it. But, uh, you know, also kind of they're a little like, yeah, apprehensive about I'm like pumped about this, but also let's not get ourselves hurt. So let's make it kind of quick. Although the parade permit was delivered only two hours before the start of the march, the marchers encountered little resistance, which is great. That is good. By 1972, though, the participating cities of like pride parades were Atlanta, Buffalo, Detroit, Washington, D.C., Miami, Minneapolis, and Philadelphia, as well as San Francisco. Of All right, course. San Fran. Mm-hmm. Still no Houston. <laughs> Where are you at, Houston? I'm so disappointed in Houston right now. By the time of Stonewall, there were 50 to 60 gay groups in the country. A year later, there were at least 1,500. That's amazing. By two years later, to the extent that the count could be made, it was approximately 2,500. Wow. Which is a huge jump. (laughs) There was a historian, Nicholas Etzel, and he wrote that Stonewall had been compared to any number of of acts of radical protest and defiance in American history from the Boston Tea Party on. Hmm. But the best and certainly a more nearly contemporary analogy is with Rosa Parks' refusal to move to the back of the bus in Montgomery, uh, which sparked the modern day civil rights movement. And within months after Stonewall's radical gay liberation groups and newsletters sprung up in cities and on college campuses across America and all across Europe, Northern Europe. Before the rebellion at the Stonewall Inn, homosexuals were, as historian Dudley Glendinen and Adam Nagorny wrote, a secret legion of people known of but discounted, ignored, laughed at, or despised. And like the holders of a secret, they had an advantage, which was a disadvantage too, and which was true of no other minority group in the U.S., they were invisible. Unlike African Americans, women, Native Americans, Jews, the Irish, Italians, Asians, Hispanics, or any other cultural group which struggled for respect and equal rights, 
Homosexuals had no physical or cultural markings, no language or dialect which could identify them to each other or to anyone else. But that night, for the first time, the usual acquiescence turned into violent resistance. From that night, the lives of millions of gay men and lesbians and the attitude towards them of the larger culture in which they lived began to change rapidly. People began to appear in public as homosexuals demanding respect. Goddamn right. That's a good quote. It really is. I loved it. I'm going to get it tattooed on my back. That's really long. (laughs) (laughs) Might take up your entire back. Yep, yep. The whole back (laughs) doing it. Fast forwarding a lot of years later. Many, 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 many many years later. President. Too, too many years later, <laughs> some might say. Right. President Barack Obama declared <laughs> June 2009 Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month, citing the riots, or I call them the rebellion, <laughs> as a reason to commit to achieving equal justice under law for all LGBT Americans. Look, and I love President Obama for that, but also it's like, did we need him to announced that that was, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender month. They were already, it, it, you it know. It kind of already was. It already was. But thanks, though. <laughs> Join into the party. Thank you. <laughs> Obama also referenced the Stonewall riots in a call for full equality during his second inaugural address on January 21st, 2013. He said, we, the people, declare today that the most evident of truths that all of us were created equal is the star that guides us still, just as it guided our forebearers through Seneca Falls and Selma and Stonewall. Our journey is not complete until our gay brothers and sisters are treated like anyone else under the law. For if we are truly created equal, then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well. This was a historic moment, being the first time the president mentioned gay rights or even the word gay in an inaugural address, which is wild. Wild, which, you know, Biden mentioned like trans brothers and sisters. And it's like, whoa, I mean, Biden knows who he needs to be. Okay. (laughs) Boy, you better take take note. <laughs> so my like very own takeaway like okay. from this bonus episode, it, like first of all, like it was a very brief overview of just kind of yeah. like the gay rights movement. Yeah. There was many more atrocities and a lot I mean, more struggle. Harvey Milk. Yeah, there is so much that we could get into. But I think it's important for people to understand like the reason why behind the parades because I think to a lot of people outsiders looking in it's just a bunch of like scantily clad gays drinking and flaunting yeah. and partying it up. Why can't we have a straight parade? Like I'm proud to be straight too. Nobody cares about no one, straight parade. Yeah. First of all, as a straight person, I can tell you that's a parade I would not attend. It would be no. the dumbest fucking parade. Be the most boring parade. It'd be, ever. It'd be just like a bunch of dudes out there with fish. Like, look at this fish I caught. <laughs> fuck off. And you, like it's just so stupid. Like fishing shirts and cargo pants. Right? Like fucking and backwards hat. I can't deal with it. And camo, fucking camo, <laughs> natty light all Ugh, over the place. Gross. Fucking and everyone yeti. like with gross igloo coolers dragging <laughs> behind like, them. Like yeti coolers yeah. and shit. <laughs> like hats with those little like fishing the lures. Fishing lure <laughs> attached to them and a bunch of like pissed off women like. <sighs> they got dragged there by their husband to drive yeah. sober for them later. <laughs> I just can't. So when you look at Pride, like <laughs> it doesn't I just, sound fun. As it all does saying. not sound nearly as fun <laughs> no. as Pride Parade. No, but uh, Pride Parade is a celebration of like how far we've come. Like we honor the ones that had it so much harder before us, and then it's a continuous fight like for equality. Yeah. Still, yeah. I mean, we just got gay marriage. When was that? 
2010? No, 2006. Oh, okay. I think. I was going to say 2008, but then I thought that was wrong. 2006. Hold on. Oh, I said 20, yes, 2015. That's yes. You, you said 2006. Yeah, 2015. I was so we. Where yeah. was I in 2006? I don't have. I was still idea. in college. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was still in that. Yeah, so we just got that in, in 2015. 2015. So I mean, that was six years ago. Jesus. Which is ridiculous. I mean, I, what else can I think of that irks me <laughs> while I think of this? Well, just like a, a personal example, I went to like the Les Talk conference in Dallas and. Um, right. after the conference it's like a, a lesbian convention or a queer women convention she was asked to speak I, yeah it I was wasn't like she there. just went oh, okay. she was a speaker <laughs> you know I kind of spoke there I'm a big <laughs> deal whatever but after we all like went out for margaritas and shit and I was sitting there and I was sitting on the same side of the booth as Cass obviously and like we're holding hands I remember like this woman looking at us her or she was an older lady and mm-hmm. like smiling and she just came up and was just like it's so refreshing to see people open. She's like, I remember back in the day not being able to like go to dinner with my girlfriend. If we did, mm-hmm. we had to sit on opposite sides and, and like, like not dating. act like you're into each other or, you know, just like driving around and like casing out the gay bars, mm-hmm. making sure no one I knew was anywhere near around, making sure that police weren't around and kind of sneaking in there. And she's like, it's, it's so refreshing. Oh my God. Less, what a miserable life that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like so much respect for the people that were out and proud, like way back in the day. Can you imagine how hard it would have been just to not be able to tell your coworkers? Right. To not be yourself. Yeah. I mean, to anyone except at your very limited like gay spaces even, that get raided even then you you have to be a little bit weary at all times just a little bit afraid yeah because they're gonna they might get raided and then i could be found here my name put in the paper i'll lose, lose my, my job. job like you're out to your family all that shit. horrible terrible it's a, i mean but. you and cassie too have the additional burden of not being of the same race mm-hmm. Which, you know, is another thing that is stupid that people still seem to care about, right. you know, but... Yeah, it does make a difference because not only are you a same-sex couple, but, like, yeah. also one's black, one's white, and right. so it's like, oh, just really so you're, you're just checking all the boxes here, ladies. <laughs> just really making it difficult for yourselves. You know, you know? I, I like to do it. I know you do. You're like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. If I'm going to do it, go big or go home. Exactly. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> but, I mean, like, even, too, I, you know... In the 80s, the whole AIDS epidemic, yeah. which was initially like, oh, it's a gay man's disease. Mm-hmm. The gay plague is what yeah, they called it, the exactly. gay flu. I mean, like, my uncle had HIV and died of it. And so to me, and, you know, my sister is gay. To me, I guess those rights really feel it's personal. close home to you. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody learned a little something today. A little bit something. So like next time you see a pride parade, you're not like, Ugh. Don't roll your eyes. Maybe get out and join. Have Maybe, a good yeah. time. Grab you a flag. Okay. Come join us. It's pretty too. It's, it's a rainbow. It's going to be the most fun you've ever had. It will. Who doesn't love a rainbow? Who doesn't love a rainbow? It's pretty. I actually saw this. I want to get it. It's so cute. This sports bra. It's all black, but mm-hmm. in the back is this rainbow stripe. Oh, cute. So I'll show it to you. It's real okay. cute. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you can find us if you want to on Facebook and Instagram. We're at room 237, the podcast. We're on Twitter. At room 237, the pod C1. Or you could send us an old-fashioned email at room 237, the podcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, if you like what you hear, tell a friend about us, y'all. Please do. Like what you hear, tell two people. 
about us. us. And maybe they'll tell two people. Send a link to your best friend. Uh-huh. Be like, this podcast is amazing. Like, listen to these crazy bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So until next time, next time we're doing... Lost Boys. Oh, Lost Boys. That's going to be a fun one. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Kim loves Lost Boys. I do indeed. (laughs) All right. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.